0: The Kansas City Chiefs have
1: won the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years after a comeback victory over the San Francisco 49ers. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor.
2: Mark, what a game, right? What a game. What a game.
1: And Ike, you were down there in Miami as well on today's show, we're going to discuss the legacy of first ballot Hall of Famer, Troy Palamalu, one of your teammates, Ike. But let's start kind of recapping the big game. What will you remember most about Super Bowl 54 down in Miami?
2: Obviously, Troy going into the Hall of Fame, first ballot, uh, hanging out with the Hall of Famers, Franco, Mel, a new inductee, Donnie Shell, another new inductee, Coach Cowell. A guy who I felt like should have got inducted, and that was Red. Y'all probably know him as Alan Fanica. And no knock to nobody who got inducted, but I feel like, one, we got too many, or they feel like we got too many in the Hall of Fame. That's, that's what the sports writers and announcers say. Two, it's not the Pittsburgh Steelers' fault that they know how to draft well and win championships. <laughs> it's true, it's, it's true. It's, it's just not. They can't help they find quality Hall of Fame players. They can't help it. They've been, doing for, they've been doing it for years. They've been drafting well for years. They always put themselves in a position to make the playoffs to try to win the Super Bowl for years. They figured it out. And I think that comes with stability in the front office, management, coaching style. You know, When you know you're going to have a coach, you going <laughs> to coach for 13, 15 years, you got some kind of stability. Alan Fenwick, I would like to talk about I talked to Red a good little bit at the dinner they had for Troy and the inductees from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it was just it was frustrating for me for him not to go there because playing guard at his position for how long he played, going to all pros and pro bowls and watching him call out cat blitzes, a cat blitz is a corner blitz. I'm like, how the hell the offensive lineman can see a corner blitz? And just from another Hall of Fame coach, Coach Russ Grimm, Coach Russ Grimm taught the offensive line like you got to scan the whole field. You just can't look in the box and see where the safety, of the linebacker, or the D lineman at. We need to see the whole field. To see Red not make it is very frustrating. But next year he should make it. At the same time, seeing Mr. Donny Show getting there. Coach Kyle, of course. Coach Kyle got a nice little history, a nice little resume. It's crazy. The kid grew up in. Pittsburgh and wind up being the head coach of Pittsburgh and wind up going to the Hall of Fame, what a story that is. Troy on the other hand is somebody a little different. You know, Troy changed the game. Only Troy can do what Troy does. You know, you can't you can't script. The closest thing I t- see somebody being a Troy right now is Honey Badger. Honey Badger, as far as like being instinctive, kind of going off script, off script, meaning you might call it defense. Uh, that is for the guys, the other 10 guys. But, you know, honey badger, you got to let him roam sometimes because his instincts are just so high. But Troy is just he's a good soul, a good person, somebody who changed the culture in that locker room. And we had a—we had Joey Porter at the time. We had Jason Gilden. We had a lot of OGs. You know, the Casey Hamptons. We had a lot of OG guys. OGs meaning the original guys who was there before us. And they knew how special Troy was. And when Troy walked into the building, Everybody had to bow down. That's just how it was. Whether you're an all-pro, year guy, whether you're a rookie, when you saw what I saw in Troy from practices to the game, you already knew what time it was. Hanging around the old school guys, I, got a, I had a long, and I've never talked to them for this long other than saying, oh, my bad, I forgot too, uh, Hall of Fame Rob Wilson as well. So, picture, I'm the saddest one out of the group. It's Troy <laughs> Wilson, Donny <laughs> Shell, Mel Blount. <laughs> I'm the saddest one out of the group, Mark. <laughs> for real. That's, that's, that's for real. So, so I had a 45-to-an-hour a talk with Franco Harris. And we sitting here talking about the Pittsburgh Steeler culture and what it is to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. My bad. Ron Clark as well. I'm tripping how it is to be a, Pist- or what it is to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. And he, w- he was like, you know, we wanted to give y'all, y'all space. And I told Franco, Mr. Franco, I'm like, nah, we wanted to see you more. Like, we appreciate y'all trying to give us the space, but I want to see the Rob Wilson. I want to see the Mel Blunt. I want to see the Franco Harris. I want to see the Mean Joe Green. I want to see y'all often, because when I'm looking, I'm looking at guys who started kind of, not kind of, the guys who are the pioneer to, to this dynasty. That's what I'm looking at. And he was like, for real? I said, Mr. Franco, for real. I said, really, I want to see y'all often. Often throughout the year. I don't think this should be a special event for all of us to see each other. And uh, just for me to go back and forth with Franco, he sat down and, took his time, Coach Cowell gave a believable speech. Ryan Clark, I text Ryan Clark. I say, bro, I said, that's God's gift for you. One, talking on TV, two, you just speaking. That's just a gift from God, how articulate you are in talking. But I had a nice ass speech too, Mark. I'm talking about, and I think people really see when you speak from the heart, it hits you and I had to hold back my tears because everybody was crying when I was talking. So you know you always want to be the tough guy, but when you speak it from the heart, people know it's genuine. Yeah, that Super Bowl, that, that was the highlight. Other than me networking, talking about our believing, Stiller's podcast, working with me on this believing Stiller's podcast, you know, I, I, I tried my best to pub what we was doing. I talked about us early and often as many times as possible that was my highlight that that pittsburgh still the dinner got to give a shout out to mr rooney mr art rooney that is but yeah in the rooney family but yeah man that was that was a good time that's probably one of the best nights i've had in a long time and it wasn't nothing but dinner and drinking wine but it was just good to be around the brothers
1: and if any of the listeners want to see who all was there at that dinner Ike will make sure that your Instagram is plugged to the yes. show notes so you can see who was all there. And it was almost like a who's who of Steeler greats and really NFL legends throughout the whole weekend. I thought before the Super Bowl, the NFL did an awesome job revealing the NFL 100 team and the, all the living members were out on the field. And just what a collection of NFL legends all in one place. And that was so cool to see. Ike, with Franco Harris, the Immaculate Reception, was also voted and named the NFL's greatest moment ever as well. So the fact that you got to see Franco Harris this past weekend when that became official in the conclusion of the NFL's 100th season, what an amazing opportunity. What an amazing opportunity to see your former coach, Bill Cower and your former teammate, too, Troy Polamalu, get inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we hope that Alan Fanica can get inducted next year. It's his fifth time as one of the 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, a nine-time Pro Bowler, and six-time All-Pro for Fanica, meaning he's the best at his position. You'd certainly imagine he'll get in at some point, even though it didn't happen this time around. But what I want to know, just because I know you have such a close relationship with Troy, what's something you wish people knew about him that they don't already know? Uh, goofy,
2: or prankster. You know, that's Troy. He, he goofy, a prankster. Got number but jokes for days, but he got to be around his boys for you to actually see it. So that's the good side of Troy. I've been really, I've been really talking to Troy and just trying to tell him to open up because, you know, Troy got two little boys, Paisios and a friend. I'm like, bro, like, you a legend, bro. I, I know you want to be humble. I know you want to be behind the scenes, but, and I respect all that. We do it for these two. These two, they need to understand the work, what it was, and who you are. You know, for the most part, they just know you as dad. They need to see the, the dad who was with the wild hair flying around, jumping over offensive linemen, catching interceptions that barely touching the grass. Like, they need to see all that. He coming down, coming down in the box, hitting people. They need to see all that. They need to understand all that. And I told Troy, I said, "TP, like." Ain't nothing wrong with to your own horn sometimes, bro. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You deserve it. You earned it. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So I'm just trying to get Troy to really open up, cause he he got a he got a funny personality, and like you say, people want to see it. Like you, you saw Tom Brady kind of venture out. I guess he feel like he on the back on the back nine. So last year he really kind of went hard in social media, and kind of opening up on who he is, you know. And it's fun to see. Hopefully I can get Troy to that level to let people see who he really is because he's just really a good soul. At what point did you realize you were playing with the Hall of Fame player? I mean, I, honestly, I would say when I saw him at USC, when I saw the stuff he was doing at USC, I'm like, what really verified it for me was when I met him in person and saw his personality, far from a big head, very humble, very hardworking. When I saw that part, I was like, okay, Hall of Famer right here. Because usually guys have strong personalities, kind of on the borderline between cocky and confident. Troy is all the way opposite from that. So just watching him at USC, then seeing his attitude and work ethic and the way he carried himself in person, you know, like, oh yeah, this dude, this dude for sure gonna be special. You already knew, it is, you see it. Even when I walked in, like the OGs, the veteran guys, they saw it. Now they saw it on the first practice. I'm looking at Troy from USC to really getting to know him on a personal level, you know. But as soon as he stepped on the field, I'm like, oh snap! Like, <laughs> man, he got a he got a real live spider sense. <laughs> like, uh, like you can't coach it. And so glad he had, so glad we had Coach LeBeau. As our defense coordinator, because he played defensive back and he saw it. So he, for the most part, you know, let Troy be Troy. Cause when you see somebody special, you don't want to put leashes on some on Hall of Famers. Like you, you can't put a leash on Rye. You couldn't put a leash on Mel. You couldn't put a leash on Donnie. Couldn't put a leash on me, Joe Green, Franco, Swanny. You couldn't put a leash on them boys. <laughs> when you see something special, that's Rocky. When you see something special, that's just what you do. You just let it go. You just let it go, you know? So that's Troy. That's Troy. And that's the first time when I saw him, like, I remember him from USC. But then when I met him in person and just saw his personality, I'm like, dang,
1: this kid's special. Palomalu becomes the 27th member of the Steelers to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So kudos to him. I know at some point we're going to get him on this, on this show, on the Believe in Steelers podcast. So in the offseason, keep an eye out for it. I know that's something that we have in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to something you said about too many people getting in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I know that Deion Sanders went on Dan Patrick's show and said the same thing. I really don't know what exactly the criteria would be. But the way that Dion put it, I thought was spot on. If you have to even think about it, if it's a question, I don't know if a guy like that should get in, but if it's someone who was dynamic and changed the game and you can't tell the story of the history of football without that specific player or coach or personality or whatever it is, however the person influenced the game, if they were dynamic enough to where you can't tell the story of football without that person – I think to me that is the, sh- the sign of true greatness. So it might be a little too widespread. I look at something like, say, the Baseball Hall of Fame where sometimes questionable athletes will get in that are borderline, yet mm-hmm. a guy like a Barry Bonds or a Roger Clemens or you know someone who might have cheated with steroids isn't in. But at the same time, it's like, what does it even mean anymore? Right. I-, I-, I think you brought up a great point with that, and I think Deion Sanders – the way that he was able to break it down to where, again, if you have to think about it, does the guy really deserve to be in? I think it's a conversation that needs to be had.
2: Yeah, what I, what I mean by too many people getting in, like, I guess the writers and the people who vote felt like there's already too many stillers, And my whole point from the Steelers, and, that, and that's Alan Faneca. would you say six all pros, non-pro Bowls?
1: Yeah, I mean, all pro, the, too. Like, I, you- I want to say this, too, I. I know a lot of times with the all-star games, like the NBA all-star game, for example, right? It's more of a popularity contest. It's not based on merit. All-pro selection means you are the best player at your position.
2: So when you say all-pro, he, he's been all-pro six times, and he's been a pro bowler nine times, and what are we waiting on? So, in, 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 <laughs> and that's my and that's my whole point, like, Y'all can't get mad, and, and I'm talking to the writers and everybody who vote, like piss. You can't get mad at an organization for knowing how to draft. Like, That's what you want, that's what you pride yourself on as an organization, one, Lombardi trophies, too. Man, we got a lot of Hall of Famers and there's still more to come. I played with a few Hall of Famers. I'm, I'm sure Ray gonna get in, I played with him. Big Ben gonna get in, I played mm-hmm. with him. Pouncey gonna get in, I played with him. If the Castro stay healthy and keep doing what he's doing, I played with him, so yeah, we talking. But I feel like I didn't play with a lot of Hall of Famers, so I just don't get it. What I call him Uncle Prime, y'all call him Deion Sanders. Uncle Prime was dead on. It's getting too watered down. It's not VIP anymore. They're letting everybody in, and he he said the best. If you got to think twice, and I and I know exactly who we talking about. Few people who we talk about. If you If you got to think twice about this person and question, they shouldn't be in. If you got a question of how this person got into the hall of fame, they shouldn't be in the hall of fame is it's an elite group. It's a one of a kind group. And I think for the qualifications, for a person to get in the hall of fame, you had to be consistent and one of the best at your position. For a while, you had to dominate. For a while, like you had to, I had to game plan you for a while. I had to know where you was at for a while. Like, you had to know what Troy was at at all times for a while. You had to know what Prime was at for a while. You, you understood you couldn't throw the Mel Blunt side for a while. You had to watch out where Rob Wilson and Donnie Shell was for a while. You had to double team me and Joe Green for a while. You know, you had to understand what. You knew what Franco Harris was. He was sitting in the backfield because at the time they weren't throwing like that. But you still tried to stop him for a while. Like, if you're not the game, if you wasn't in the game plan, in that guy, Alan Fanica, like, you knew when you go against Red, like, it was going to be a long day. He did it 10 years at a high level for a while. So when you just consistent for a while and you're a part of the game plan from the opposing team, you're a Hall of Famer you're Hall of Famer. Now, if you just, I was just one of the guys. When you talked about me, like, Uncle Prime talking about guys like me. And it's, it's a few guys who made it like me. Played a long time, had a successful career, but really wasn't that guy. You know, like, I was one of the guys, Troy Polamalu was that guy. You know what I'm saying? So, you had to stay away from Troy. You'll try me you try me so and and I'm just being for real I'm being 100% with it I see what Uncle Prime is talking about the qualifications and getting to the Hall of Fame it should be an elite VIP kind of status and it's, the last couple of years it's just it's get it's making me look at stats and and seeing how many years people played and looking at the stories of some of these guys getting into the Hall of Fame I'm like if I feel like an offense or a defense coordinator didn't game plan to understand where you was at for a long period of time, you wasn't that guy.
1: Everyone has a role on a football team and there's going to be stars. There's going to be role players. There's going to be complimentary guys, glue guys. I mean, there's, people are going to have different roles, right? And when you mentioned stats too, you look at stats now. It's not really even the same sport that it was 20 years ago, let alone 30, 40, 50 years ago with how the game has changed and how the rules have changed to favor passing. And I'll say one other thing in terms of if a guy's a Hall of Famer or not. Nothing frustrates me more than when a player passes away and, and, and dies. And then after the fact... It's almost like a sympathy vote of, oh, let's get this guy in. The guy that comes to mind is uh, Chicago Cubs Hall of Famer, Ron Santo. And when that happens, it's like, is is the guy in or not? It should be really that simple. I understand and I know why they have – the different Hall of Fames have different criteria as far as how many years certain guys are eligible and everything. But, again, it's really, really simple. Was the player dynamic? Did he change the game? Can you tell the history of the sport with or without the player? That to me is what a Hall of Famer is.
2: Yeah, I mean, these guys on on this on this Hall of Fame board, they got to change some of the criteria since since the game is changing. You got to change. But here,
1: like, here's the thing though too. Now that they're letting a lot of players in, it's Oh well, this guy this guy got in with lesser criteria than this than you know than this player who's now eligible for the Hall of Fame. That's the problem with that. So if you do draw the line and and make the criteria more strict, is it fair to those future players who might have better credentials than someone who's already in the Hall of Fame?
2: Right. They just need to stop watering that Hall of Fame down. It's too many. It's is we talk if we're talking about it, it's not good. If it's how he get in. If we saying how he get in, if we if we talk like that, it's getting too watered down. Cause it, it's been a few conversations where I was like, how he get in? And that's not good.
1: Ike, let's move on to Super Bowl 54. The Chiefs win 31 to 20. The 49ers led in this game 20 to 10. So the third double-digit comeback by the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Kind of what I want to know, what you think, Ike. And I You could put a percentage on it if you want. Did the 49ers blow this game or did the Chiefs come back and win? And if you had to kind of put odds on each, where would you put those odds for that? Because I think it's a little bit of both.
2: No, the 49ers blew it. You up straight up. up. Yeah, the 49ers blew it. So you up by 10. You up by 10 going into the fourth quarter, but everything started off at halftime. So you up by 10 going into the half and John Lynch was thinking like everybody else was thinking, call the timeout. So you call the timeout, get to the timeout, you have time left. All I need is three. I'm not even looking for a touchdown. All I need is three. 23-17, that's going to force Patrick Mahomes and company, especially going into the late, going into the late fourth quarter with six-something minutes left, with nine-something minutes left in the game, that's going to force them to try to get a touchdown. You get a touchdown – well, all I need now is a field goal to win the ball game. That's all I need. So, but you don't do that. And sometimes the moment is too big for coaches. Like we talk about players all the time, nothing up. But sometimes, man, these coaches not up and they they forget. And Coach Kyle can say what he wanna say, but using one of them timeouts would've helped because it would have gave you a lot of time uh just to get you in field goal position. So you already had the running back coming out of the backfield. He had a like a 20 something yard game, man. You call. You got two more timeouts left. Now I'm trying to get my field goal team. I get my team in position for a field goal, man. It's twenty. It's matter of fact. It's twenty-three to ten. I'm really liking my odds. You know, sooner or later, them boys gonna wake up. And them boys, I mean, in Patrick Mahomes and company. And really, Pat, Pat played well. Pat played okay. Yeah, maybe in like back. the
1: last 10 minutes of the game. I mean, yeah, he, wasn't, so, he wasn't the Patrick Mahomes we've seen throughout the course of the season for the vast majority of this game.
2: So he, his worst game was in the Super Bowl from a playoff standpoint, period. <laughs> you, you throw two interceptions, you're supposed to lose. No, I don't because we've been talking about turnovers, this whole playoff run, Mark. You throw two interceptions it's a high percentage that you're gonna lose that ball game. Very high, you're supposed to lose. But what comes into mind how San Fran blew the game, instead of calling time out before halftime, at least trying to get in a field goal position, they just let the clock run out, you let the clock run out. Um, just seeing what the Kansas City Chiefs has been doing, coming back from you know, double digit deficits, that you should have known better. You know, so, and that puts you in a position like, is Jimmy Garoppolo really the guy? Now, we've been talking about trucks and trailers
1: all word You stole the words right from my mouth, but it's really that simple, right? So, for the listeners, Patrick Mahomes, you could – I mean, don't get me wrong. He's got great offensive weapons. You could put really anyone around him. He's able to be a truck and pull and carry his team. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is a trailer. You got to put all the pieces around him. You got to put George Kittle and Juszczyk in the stable of running backs they have. Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel.
2: It wasn't like San Fran was asking Garoppolo to throw it in tight windows. I mean, Juszczyk caught a three-yard pass, broke a tackle, and scored. we acting like Jimmy had to just throw it in very tight windows. And he had an opportunity with E, Emmanuel Sanders on that double coverage going down the field, kind of just at least lob it up to... Give E a chance, maybe get a flag if, it was a, if the ball was thrown short. Just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. And, again, that pressure ain't for everybody.
1: Here's my point, too, with – I know Shanahan's gotten crushed with play calling and everything. Are we even talking about any of this? When the 49ers were down 24-20, to 20 and I think it was the third down play where Jimmy G just missed Emmanuel Sanders, that deep overthrow over the middle, put a little more air on that. Are we even talking about this, or breaking it down, or analyzing it the same way? If that pass is complete and the 49ers go and score a touchdown,
2: not the game would have been. It won. just
1: it just shows you that the game can be a game of inches at times.
2: Yeah, it could, but at the same time, you you get five yards and you pass it twice.
1: I agree. Like you, you I get agree. Five
2: yards in the run play is second and five, and now you just and, in which in which and what people got to understand it complements the defense. You anyway, know, I think we talked about this a couple of weekends, Mark. Like, just because you don't get a first down, it helps out the defense because at least the clock is running. So now it either makes towards the end of the game, the offense, the opposing offense have to bur- have to burn timeouts or kind of reach deep into their playbook and do stuff they really don't do. So now that gets them off script, and that's what I think Bart Scott was saying this on TV. He was like. You know, an offense who can run the ball really complements the defense because at least the clock is running, you know?
1: And when you're averaging 6.2 yards a carry on that drive, it was 20 to 17 at that point, Mostert gets five yards, and it's like they're going to ground and pound their way all the way to the end zone and take a bigger lead. Two consecutive incomplete passes, and, like, I could maybe understand passing if you utilize the play action. They didn't even do that. And so it's like you get five yards for Mostert on first down, run the ball again. Even if you get like three yards, you have a third and two or a fourth and two. Maybe you go for it in that scenario too with how successful we know that the 49ers are at running the football. The 49ers, for any of the listeners that don't know this out there, had the second most rushing yards of any NFL team during the regular season behind only the Baltimore Ravens who are record setters this season. So why they got away from that in this game, up 10. If you would have said that the 49ers were going to win Super Bowl 54, what was the recipe to win the game? Great running game, great defense. And in the fourth quarter, I watched this game with a lot of buddies of mine that are Chiefs fans. I know that the the Chiefs have come back from double digits in their two previous games in the divisional round and in the AFC championship game. They didn't think they had a snowball's chance at victory in the Super Bowl, with how the game was unfolding, and I, I'm still at a disbelief that the, that the Chiefs came back and won this game because typically, for the last 50 years, this is the kind of the game that the Chiefs typically lose.
2: Stay deep. So defensive game plan was stay deep. Put keep everything in front of you. Make Patrick Mahomes check down. And for the most part, they did. They did. They did that well. You know that's how he threw them too. Interceptions and for San Fran not to close the game out. I mean, you can try to put as much sugar on as you want to, a lot of yourself as you want to. That's the second Super Bowl, Coach Kyle Shanahan in blue. One as an offensive coordinator, two as a head coach and offensive coordinator. So, and the only thing we've been saying was run the ball because the team you lost to where you was the offensive coordinator from the Atlanta Falcons, the Patriots, the second half, they did the same thing you was doing to them in the first half. They ran the ball. So that's the key. And you've built your team on a tight end, a fullback, a hell of an offensive line, a good defense, three good running backs. One of them was hurt and controlling the clock. So now all of a sudden, you know, second and third down, when we got five and we just need 10. So now it's second to five and we pass the ball. One the clock stops. That's one. The clock stops. Two, like you said, worst case scenario, I'm just going to do what Andy Reid was doing to us. Going for it on fourth down. Ain't no, ba- ain't no coming back. My made up. I'm going for it on fourth down. So now you got three downs to get five yards. Basically, second, third, and fourth down if you run the ball. And the clock is running. So like I say, Mark, sometimes the stage not only get too big for the players, it gets too big for a lot of the coaches.
1: I want to mention my point about Coach Shanahan, but first take a quick break. Support for today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast comes from Manscaped. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has created the best below the belt men's grooming tool. The Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping trimmer is now available for purchase. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code believe that's BLEAV at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com use code believe BLEAV. Ike, if you're the 49ers and you allow 21 consecutive points to finish this game to the chiefs and you want to be considered an elite defense, that can't happen. But with, with Shanahan, too, I understand he was the offensive coordinator when the Falcons blew that lead to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, 28-3. to three. Why does Shanahan get the rap for that? I mean, he was the offensive coordinator. He's the one calling plays. Dan Quinn was the head
2: coach. Yeah, but you, usually, usually head coaches don't get in the way of office coordinators. Uh, head coaches are... Are managers, they manage They manage the guys, they make the executive decisions on really who's starting, who's not starting, who I need to find, who I, who I need to cut. They get paid off the big decisions. Um, play calling, you don't really want to get in the way of your play calling because, you know, obviously Coach Kyle Shanahan at the time when he was the OC for the Atlanta Falcons, he was in the groove. So you don't want to knock your offensive coordinator off the groove, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to get in the way of that. So, of course, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything at all. I'm going to let you do you. But, I mean, he got the praise when he was 4-12 and 12, two years ago. And then he turned that thing around to 13-3. to three. Should we give him all the praise? So, that comes with being the head coach. Like, just like being a quarterback, man. You're going to get the praise when your team wins, and we're going to dog you when they lose. Like, that's, that's just an understanding. It is when you're at the top of the food chain, and that's where – coach Kyle Shanahan is he's at the top of the food chain so we praise him when they win we gotta talk about it when he lose
1: and another thing I want to mention too like I know we always see what the players say too. Mm-hmm. honey badger Tyron Matthew after the game I want to find the exact quote just to make sure I have this right he said we were grateful they got out of the run and started to throw the ball after the game
2: that tells you all you need to know to me all right see they see and see, now 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 we're cooking with gas, Mark. Now you start to listen to what the players say. Like we, us as analysis and commentators, we're sugarcoat sometimes, but that's why I like listening to player interviews because they're telling the truth. And Honey Badger was like, man, they were smoking us on these runs. They was getting into a groove on these runs. They got away from the run. We was like, whew. Okay, now we got some action. And that that's what it is. So that's what I'm saying. Coach Kyle, got it. he 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 got to get the blame because Honey Badges is on the field and he see what they was doing to him well. And to get away from that, it says a lot. <laughs> so like you say, just keep listening to the players. They tell them the truth.
1: I just can't imagine if the 49ers had continued to run the ball, what the outcome would have been if it would have been any different. I know win percentage is something that people always lose their minds over. And at one point, the 49ers had a greater than a 90% chance to win. And it's like, what does that even really mean when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes? And we saw what happened. What's probably even more incredible than the Chiefs coming back from double-digit deficits in each of their three playoff games is they won all three games by double digits as well. And hats off to Andy Reid and staff, Eric Bieniemy with – The, you know, stealing the play from the 48 Rose Bowl down in the red zone situation. And Patrick Mahomes is going to get a lot of the praise. He played outstanding in the playoffs. I want to give a shout out to Damian Williams for how he was able to play in the backfield. And I think that there was an argument to be made that he was the real Super Bowl MVP for Kansas City.
2: Ain't no argument. He was the MVP. You're giving it to, to your poster child, your golden boy. That's Patrick Mahomes. Let's let's not fool. Let's let's be the man had two interceptions. He played an okay game. Who kept him in the game the whole game? I thought most valuable player was Damian Williams being the most valuable player on that field. Look at the third down conversions he made from, from check down passes. So you can just remember that pass on the sideline, made two people miss, wind up going. Then you can just look. From him scoring two touchdowns one coming out the backfield the other one on the sideline to the left running the ball and like the man had a good game he was the reason he was the most valuable player on that field for that night so yeah that's the first thing i said like damian williams got robbed i can got, assure the listeners
1: i can assure the listeners that ike is not on damian williams payroll but i think the touchdown he had that they ruled a touchdown on the field Unless we would have had like a, a moon camera where we could have seen directly over the top, there was no way to definitively say whether it was a touchdown or not. And you're not going to overturn it unless it's conclusive.
2: It don't matter. The man still, the man, the man was the MVP on the field for that night. I mean, just just point blank period. You can and they, and they say usually kids don't lie. If you get if you get a young kid who knows football and watch the football game with you. They would have, and you would have asked them who the MVP was. They would have said Damian Williams. They would have said Damian Williams. It it was obvious. It was it was it was clear as day. And there goes that. That's that Hall of Fame BS we we was talking about right there. If we if we talking about mm, Damian Williams should have got the MVP. That's the same thing Uncle Prime been talking about. Like mm, I don't know how he got in there. It was clear as day <laughs> that Damian Williams had a better game. <laughs> you know than Patrick Mahomes, and he should have got MVP.
1: And two things I want to say, too. Something that boosted Mahomes' stats was the, the push passes that they would do uh, with the jet sweep motion to the receivers that he gets credit for passing yards for. Now, the reason why an offense will do that is to make sure if the guy in the jet sweep motion drops the ball, it goes down as an incomplete pass and not a fumble. And also, take a look at the rushing yard, rushing yard totals for both teams. 49ers had 141. The Chiefs finished with 129. But if you take out Mahomes kneeling the ball at the end of the game, the Chiefs actually outrushed the 49ers. No one would have predicted that before Super Bowl 54.
2: No, but if again, if you watch Damian Williams' post-interview, he said that was a game plan. He was like, San Fran think we're going to pass the ball, but we're going to come out and run the ball. That was the chief game plan, so you got to give – you got to give a head out. One, to Coach Andy Reid for changing his game plan up, Two to Eric Benamy for at least getting Coach Andy Reid head. Like, Coach, in order for us to win this game, we got to keep this offense balanced, and we got to do that by running the ball. And that's what they did well. So, yeah, man, that, that was that game plan. Like, San Fran, we all knew they're a hell of a running team. Kansas City Chiefs, you know, when you got Patrick Mahomes, it could be a shootout, and the game is never over over for him. But at the same time, their game plan was to run the ball. And Damian Williams should have got the MVP for that Super Bowl.
1: And for the listeners, too, Ike, you played in three Super Bowls, too. So you certainly understand the style of play in a big game like this late into the season when you get elite-level teams, when the, you know those passing windows that might be there during the regular season against lesser competition, things tighten up. You know, players, are, there is no tomorrow. So players are absolutely giving it their 100%, their all. And so I just want to say for the listeners, to me, that resonates with me more what you're saying in terms of style of play instead of the shootout style that we've seen with the Chiefs and Mahomes throughout the course of the regular season. Just given your experience having played in so many
2: of these big games. It's one shot. Like I said, you only get one shot. Teams that run the ball well going to always win. Super Bowls, but they're gonna always win Super Bowls. Teams, you know, that's that's just how it is. And I, when we first started, the first thing I talked about on this podcast was, you know, Tennessee had a soup, had a playoff recipe. Good running game, playing good defense. It's just you could, you're going to go so far if you don't have Kittle, use checks, Debo Samuels, Emmanuel Sanders. So, Ryan Tannehill didn't have them guys at his disposal like Jimmy Garoppolo does. You know what I'm saying? But for you to win Super Bowls, man, you gotta have you gotta have one a good defense and a hell of a running game because the defense is gonna make you go the long way. You know, there's really no giving anything deep. Uh, we'll deal with a 10-yard pass. We'll deal with 12-yard. We'll deal with that all all day. But getting into that red zone, the windows close. And they close fast, so if you think you're trying to pass the ball in these small windows in the red zone, something bad is going to happen. And that's where you run the ball a lot in the red zone because offensive alignment ain't nothing but a mind. It ain't nothing but a mind check. So we just and we we just check me when Kittle's and Travis Kelsey sat down with Rob and Tony Gonzalez. I watched it on Sunday. And I, I've been saying this for a long time, taking the soul. I tell my son, man, take the soul out of these little kids. And Kittle's is funny because Kittle said this. He said, man, when I'm running the ball, I'm trying to take the soul out of these defenders. And that's the mentality you got to have, and he's a tight end. So you can imagine how the offensive linemen I feel when, it, when Coach Kyle Shanahan said they got a run play coming up. They trying to take the soul out of defensive linemen and linebackers.
1: James Harrison should like copyright that immediately. So just for the listeners, James Harrison told that to your son who's playing youth Correct. football at the time. Take the soul out of the guy when you're trying to hit him. That is, that is just excellent advice. And you know, the padding and everything, it, it's there to protect you and everything. Football's one of those games. If you're not going full speed, that's where you're going to get hurt.
2: Organized violence. That's all football is. Organized violence. I'm going to get a few referees. I'm gonna get a pig skin that looks like a, a funny-shaped egg, and I'm gonna tell this guy to hit this guy as hard as he as hard as he can, and we're not worrying about size whatsoever. So that's all it is, organized violence. <laughs>
1: there, there you go. There you go. Andy Reid gets a Super Bowl, his first Super Bowl ring since '96 when he was the Green Bay Packers tight ends coach, and so he finally has one as a head coach now. I think even before this game, he's a Hall of Fame coach, and now I think this just seals it and almost makes it official. He had done almost everything a head coach can do other than winning a Super Bowl, and he was able to get it done. I just want to say this goes back to Week 17, the Miami Dolphins beating the New England Patriots in Week 17. The Chiefs go from the three seed to the two seed, So they get the first round by they have home field advantage in the divisional round. When the Titans knock out the Baltimore Ravens, the chiefs then get to host the AFC championship game. When they win their divisional round game, all the cards fell into the chiefs favor and they are able to get a super bowl victory. Their first one in 50 years. And I was really happy to see that Andy Reid was finally able to get it done. A guy who's beloved by his players.
2: Yes. Give me them problem child players, <laughs> and they all they, they they all look at Coach Andy Reid like dad. Yeah, give me, Give me all them problem child players, from Damian Williams to Frank the D. N. to Tyron Matthew. Give me all them problem child players. Watch what I do with them. I'm a, I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna give them love. I'm a, I'm gonna be tough. I'm gonna be a dad, but I'm gonna give them a lot of love. <laughs> and every one of the players that talk about Coach Andy Reid. And Tyron said it, Tyron was like, man, he just let us be us. Like, but he genuinely care about his players. And that's from going back from the Philadelphia Eagle days to right now, all they say is, Coach Andy Reid ain't nothing but a dad who loves him. And when you got, so so for me, he reminds me of Coach Dick LeBeau. You got your own individual goals, but you wind up sliding Coach Andy Reid and Dick LeBeau in one of them goals because you see, they really genuinely care about you as a person, as a man. So you're going to give a little bit extra. You know, my finger is broke, but you know what? Wrap it up. Wrap it up. I'm going to give a little bit extra because coach, coach is depending on me. Not only my 10 guys on the field, but Coach is depending on me. So the story is just consistent when they talk about Coach Andy Reid. But then again, you know, you, <laughs> in order to win Super Bowls, you got to have some of them guys who don't mind bar fighting. That's just, that's just that's just the nature of the sport. <laughs> and Coach Andy Reid got a, a few of them guys, if we're, in that, if we're in that alley, we're gonna bar fight all day, all night. So it was just good to see those kind of guys to see, especially Honey Badge, you know, from New Orleans to see where he came from, the route he took. I think people forgot, man, he had to sit out a year at LSU, you know, he got kicked off the team for him. So for him still to go first round, Going to jail, understand, listening to his story, going with Pat Pete over there in Arizona, didn't work out, then going to Houston. Okay, now I'm really finalized and settle down in KC, you know. I'm gonna see Damien Damien played in Miami. You know, Damien Williams played in Miami. You know, he he got kicked off the Oklahoma, you know, football team when he was in college. So to see that and for him to go and coach Andy Reid to get him in line. You know, it's, it's just a good thing to see. Everybody has been consistent on Coach Andy Reid and the love they get from him.
1: Mike, I want to ask you this because the Victory Parade is Wednesday. That's tomorrow. We're recording this Tuesday morning just for any of the listeners out there. What's it like on the winning end, and what's the Victory Parade like after the fact? You won two Super Bowls.
2: See, so you asked me what people didn't get to see with Troy. and. For them victory parades in the city of Pittsburgh, Troy jumping off the boat into the crowd. <laughs> in the crowd catching Troy, riding him like a wave all the way back to the boat. That's that's the stuff, that's the stuff you don't get to see. Taking your shirt off at negative five degree weather. <laughs> <laughs> like the J.R. Smith
1: treatment in the middle of yeah, winter.
2: That's, yeah, that's. That's something you can't you can't get back. That's that's something you would have to be in personal love to see to for the city of Pittsburgh to tell the school shut the schools down. You know, we shutting all schools down. You ain't gotta go to work on a four day. <laughs> it's crazy. Like to 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 see, and when you win the Super Bowl, especially in the city of Pittsburgh, you're in a lifetime scholarship. I'm in a lifetime scholarship. Every time I go to Pittsburgh, it's whatever. Still getting a red carpet. Can't get it in any other city but the city of Pittsburgh. That's that's a, that's the, if you win a if you win a Super Bowl in the city of Pittsburgh, and I was fortunate enough to win two in a lifetime scholarship. Lifetime scholarship. So that's what it is. Just look at Mel Blunt, he has a whole farm. Lynn Wine ran for politics, won it. Mean Joe Green, still living off of free scholarship. Franco Harris still living in Pittsburgh. Like, a lot of these old heads still live in Pittsburgh since the 70s. Cause they still getting paid. And now I think they're getting paid more than ever, because people love what they did back in the fact. I mean, back in the day. So, you know, I was talking to Franco, like he was like, man, I'm getting paid more than I got paid while I was playing football. And that's just the love you get. That's that's what you get when you were a dynasty winning all them Super Bowls with Coach Chuck Noll.
1: This is a hard question for me to ask you, Ike, but mm-hmm. I, I've got to ask it for the listeners. Mm-hmm. So what's it like on the other side of that? If you're 49ers players, the agony of defeat.
2: I'd rather lose in an AFC championship game or the NFC championship game to lose the Super Bowl. You, you don't even want that feeling. I'd rather have that, oh, we almost made it feeling than to actually lose because it's, it's it's two weeks of mental exhaustion. And that's what I was trying to say. Like, when, when your practice feels like a AF or NFC championship game, practices, practices, when they feel like that, it's, it's hard to lose that big game. You know, it's just it's just mentally it's hard because now you're just going back to the first day in OTAs and off season and, and playing hard and doing it for your teammates and not wanting to be the guy who mess up. And you got 32 teams and only two remaining. And you still in there. To lose that game, is like, it's like taking years off of you. To lose a Super Bowl is like taking a couple of years off your life shelf because mentally it's exhausting mentally it's exhausting the physical part we've been doing it since we were small so the physical part ain't nothing that's easy but the mental part to lose and you're always chasing it you're always trying to get it back you know it's like losing a couple of million dollars you can't never get that regardless of how much money you got you can't never get that couple of million dollars back that's the same way as super Bowl you you, you can't get it back and I've chased it through coaching my son's team I've been fortunate enough to win two national championships with my son's AU team. But ain't nothing like the Super Bowl. There's there's just nothing. The stage, the platform, what the NFL do, they go to extremes to, to let that game be one of the biggest games in North America. And it is. The Chiefs are the favorite
1: to win next year's Super Bowl, but team hasn't repeated since the Patriots. In 04, 05, the Ravens are second favorites. 49ers are the favorites in the NFC, and then the Saints. Ike, who do you think is the early favorite next year? Obviously, we've got the draft and free agency. We could see a huge swing this offseason with quarterbacks going to different teams, but who do you like early on for 2021 next year's Super Bowl?
2: If the Chiefs don't have this Super Bowl hangover, if the guys understand for the Kansas City Chiefs, like, we have a short window to be in the NFL, one. Two, to do what we can do, I can see them backing up. If they don't, it's gonna be an issue. Like, cause I thought going to, cause I've been to three Super Bowls in, oh five, in six years, I thought that was the thing to do. And then when we lost to Green Bay, Pittsburgh ain't been back since 2009. It's 2020, about to be 2021 on the next Super Bowl. That's 11 years. So, and as good as Aaron Rodgers is, he ain't been back since he beat us. So you you can say what you want to say, like we can say they have a dynasty, but ain't nothing for ain't nothing for certain. Like it, it ain't for show, sure, you know. Just ask Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers when the last time they been to Super Bowls. So. I can see them all all off of Patrick Mahomes. You know, I can see them all off of Patrick Mahomes really trying to get back to the Super Bowl. On the NFC side, man, I'm liking Seattle. I'm liking Seattle on the NFC. I think they're going to draft well. I think they're going to get what they need on offense and defense. I'm going to see them right back. We're going to see them right back. We're gonna see them right back in the position. That's a team consistently try to put they try to put themselves in Super Bowl contentious every year. And I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle was back in that Super Bowl.
1: I would imagine that NFC West will be a gauntlet yet again.
2: 100 percent
1: Ike, I want to end the show a little bit on a lighter note. What'd you think of a halftime show? Shakira, Jennifer Lopez? Poppy. I, I was entertained, and the internet says I have to like the halftime show. I was entertained. I was there. I'll say, I'll say there. this. I'll say this. People were Google searching how old JLo and Shakira was. J Lo's fifty. Shakira's forty-three. Make it makes you question your life and figure out how you can find the fountain of youth. I thought it was. I thought it was a great halftime show. A little bit of recency bias. A lot of people are saying it's the greatest ever, but I think it's a little bit of recency bias. They put on a good show. I thought.
2: No, they put on a good show, bro. I mean, Shakira, she just had a baby. I don't think people understand that. I didn't know that. She, yeah, she just she just dropped one. She just dropped the album. You know, in the hood, we say dropping the album. She just dropped <laughs> she just dropped the album, and for her just to bounce back like that, that's whew. That's saying a lot. J Lo, she just, you know, she like what I call myself. I call myself Pino. That's my nickname, Pino, because I get better with age. So that's J Lo. The older she get, you know. <laughs> The better she looking, and it's usually the opposite. So I don't know what water she drinking. I don't know what she got on her jeans, but she can go out on, you know, dab me with some of that DNA. So if I want to have another one, you know, we can have the same effect.
1: The Fountain of Youth. It, it was it was funny because people were Google searching how old they were, and then they realized Mahomes is only twenty four as well, and it's just like everyone's just questioning all of their life choices. Right. I, I like the Google commercial the best with the Google Home. Uh, that was probably my favorite commercial also. You're I on thought on the same the, page. The kid, the kid celebrating the 100 years of football to start mm-hmm. the game and running into the stadium I thought was really, really well done as
2: well. Phenom. That little, that little kid is a phenom. That little kid, because I've been seeing that little kid pop up a lot. And for them to start up that Super Bowl with him, that was kind of awesome. The kids running out on the field to kind of end the commercial. That was pretty cool. Google was, I was telling somebody this yesterday. Google was my favorite commercial. My old man talking about life of his wife and just the stories of him just talking. Google, play this. Google, what is my favorite moment about my wife? Google, when is the first time my kids might like goop? And I was like, damn, like they got a whole photo album by just talking. And they were, Google, what is my wife's favorite song? What was our first dance? I'm like, that's dope. That's dope. So I'm yeah, tearing I'm right up on the you.
1: couch. I'm tearing up on the couch and it's like, no, oh, it's allergies, it's allergies, it's not.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was that was, pretty dope. So yeah, just, just listening to that Google, that Google commercial, that was one of my favorite commercials as well.
1: I just wanna give a quick shout out to the listeners. Thank you for listening yes. to us throughout the season. We have an eventful off-season plan as well. Number of interviews that we're going to have in the off-season and as news and developments happen, you know, through the combine, the NFL draft, the start of free agency, we'll keep you in the loop and we'll keep you informed, but you can listen to the show. However you get your podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google play, Luminary, iHeart, and tune in, please rate, review, and
2: subscribe. Yeah. uh, I can't wait to do this draft. We're going to have our own little mock draft going. We're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to break it down by position, top 10 guys. This, This is what I do. Like when combine come, like, this is what I do, Mark. So I can't wait to just to break down what's going on in the offseason, try to figure out what guys are going where to what teams and the team needs. But, you know, I'm excited for this draft. This, I just, I just pulled out my computer for the drafts and start watching tape to, to get a – not even an early start. I'm kind of late with it. But I'm going to be in this computer all day 24-7 just seeing who going where and getting to talk about sleepers and guys who I think that's going to get drafted.
1: And I'm excited to get beyond just the discussion of Joe Burrow versus Chase Young. And I know that's something that we've talked about on previous podcasts too, Ike, but see who else is out there to see how teams are going to make improvements this offseason and to see who's going to wind up in next year's Super Bowl too. So I'm really excited mm-hmm. for that. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody.
2: Peace.